Hi guys, this is Laura. I'm just giving you some trigger warnings for this episode. We talk about death of a loved one, drug abuse, and mental illness. Uh, so take care of yourselves. Thanks. Um, what happened to Mrs. Simpson? She asks tentatively. I am wondering the same thing. Mrs. Simpson had been the art teacher for something like 30 years. Karen looks around and then says with a sigh, Mrs. Simpson went on to a better place. She died? The girl exclaims in horror. The class emits a collective gasp. I grab onto the edge of the table. Karen shakes her head. No, no. She went to the high school. She teaches there now. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Wow. 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 Hey, Ellie. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. Yeah, we've Woo! arrived. We've been welcomed into the new year. Honestly, it feels like I've been in 2021 for a billion years. It's over I now. Know. The novelty's worn off almost immediately. I know. I was like, this is our, you know, not a big deal, our first episode of the new year, even though it kind of is. Because guess what? This is the beginning of. Uh, season two. Yeah! Oh my gosh, we made it through a whole season, guys. We actually did it. <laughs> I was about to guess, and I was like, is it Aquarius season? Because it almost is. Aquarius scene is almost upon us, Capricorn's almost done. But speaking of that, recently, you know how it's like new year, new me? Whatever. But, um, <laughs> well, I've gotten back into, because I also used to be super into this as a kid, but Enneagrams. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. basically in the past, I always thought I was like a four or a six, a type four or six, yeah. which a four is an individualist and a six is a loyalist. Okay. And then in November, I took it and I got a type three, which is an achiever. <gasps> and I was like shook. I was so oh upset because one of the big things about type threes is that they're super competitive. And mm -hmm. I don't like to think of myself that way. Sorry, oh, listeners. Wow. I don't yeah. like, I don't think I'm, because I think- Competition is conflict, and I'm pretty conflict averse. But you don't want to fight everybody you see on the street. No, <laughs> that is so horrible. Like I don't even like to. <laughs> no, I don't even like to tell people if they have like food in their teeth, which I know everyone is like, "That's a dick move." Always tell people if they have food in their teeth, but oh. I'm like, how about mm -hmm. I never tell anyone? And we never eat food. What about that? Hmm? Yeah, I don't want to be around you when we eat food. How about that? Hmm? Mm -hmm. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, I think it's interesting, even if you don't agree with it, to like examine why, you know, because that's just, it's just fun. Um, I think I was either type six or type nine. Nine is a peacemaker. Yes. I took it. Wait, and okay, I got... it's type six. Sorry, I'm ruining your flow. It's fine. Go ahead. But are you going to, are you going to con confront me about it? No. No, I'll <laughs> never. Never. Um, is type six the one that's like hyper vigilant and stuff? Um, Whatever that is, it's me. <laughs> I think type sixes tend to be anxious which i mean okay all, there freaking we go. All, the, all the types are anxious so like that's not really fair to say but yeah. this last so i took it again like this weekend and i got type five the investigator or the thinker oh and i was like oh my gosh i've never gotten this one before but the more i read about it the more i was like this totally is me and i was you just, are i do think of you as very inquisitive and very intellectual. but that's not the point mm -hmm. and like it sounds dumb and maybe it's because of everything that's happened in the last year or just because it's a new year or what. But I was it was very validating for me to read type five and be like, oh my mm. gosh, identifying with all these. Not all of them, obviously, but like a large majority. And I was shook. And I still yeah. am. And I haven't shut up about it. Like I've talked to all my coworkers about it. I was like, Jeff, I have to tell you, I'm a type five and I don't care who knows it. And then <laughs> he was like, awesome. I don't give a shit. But I, okay, so I am started taking, it's not a really personality test. It's like a chakra test. And this is not really like, you know, really real in terms of how um, chakras work. But basically uh -huh. you take this test and it tells you how your chakras are now. If like each one is Aligned. underactive, overactive, or like balanced. So like, if I'm feeling really anxious, I know my root chakra is underactive. And honestly, it's always underactive. It's the source of all my problems. But it's just a really nice little metric for me to be like, well, I'm feeling off. Where am I feeling off? Oh, it's my throat chakra. Oh. Wow. Yeah, yeah, to have, like, a center or, like, a place to, like, balance yourself in or the, you'd be like... Yeah, like, have a robot tell me what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, finally. That's always nice. That's just, that's just been self -reflection. my... Self-reflection. M.O., yeah, lots of self-reflection. See, that's the theme of the winter solstice, self-reflection, connection with self. Is it really? Wow. Wait, did you ever take the Enneagram and you said you are a type six? 
Yeah, like we were talking. I didn't take the test. Actually, you sent it to me. This yeah, month. that doesn't freaking count. Then you need to take the test, B. Okay. I'm going to take this live. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It's like, it's nine, It's 14 pages of nine questions each, so. Oh my gosh. Conflicted between trust and distrust. That's what it says that t- the type six. See, and that's the problem with the root chakra. <laughs> Listen, this was part of my whole journey this summer. It was like the Enneagram test plus like learning about chakras. I realized that the source of all my anxiety is my root chakra. It's my butt chakra. My butt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Okay. Welcome to Reading Rainbow, the podcast where we. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I totally forgot we just oh jumped God. in there. I did, we didn't even introduce. <laughs> my bad. All right. Yes. Go ahead. Welcome to season two of Reading Rainbow, the podcast where we read books that we had to read in middle school or high school, or maybe we didn't have to, but other people did, and we talk about why they're interesting or why they're funny or. You know, anything else that we want to talk maybe about. Maybe why they suck. Just kidding. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Maybe why we don't like them. Yeah. Anything else under the sun is fair game, too. Yeah, because it's our podcast and not yours. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and my name is Laura. And my name is Elora. Ha. Isn't that, isn't that crispy, guys? <laughs> well, I mean, nothing's changed. That's always been our names. Well, listen, what if there's new people? Don't you want to welcome them into 2021 with us? Yeah, but yes, I do. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Okay, wait. I want to go back. Okay, so remember when I said it's our podcast and not yours? I just want to cite myself because I want to get, well, I could still get sued. But I didn't come up with that one on my own. I watched this YouTube channel between uh, drag queens Trixie, Mattel, and Katya. And they always open it up and they're like, oh, because it's our it's our show and not yours. So I just want to let you know that I stole that. Okay. Moving on. Thanks. Um, well, let's just go right into, because we are kind of already did the intro thing and I totally, again, I just dropped the ball in introducing us at all. Rhymes. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but so for this, the first book of season two, we read a mango shaped space by Wendy mass. Woohoo. Well, yeah, this book uh, has won a co- been nominated for a few awards. It was nominated for the Audio Award in 2007 and 2008 for the audiobook, but it was snubbed both times, so that's kind of sad. Oh um, Voya, the magazine called Voice of Youth Advocates, said that mm, teens will probably not pick it up without any coaxing, but they did put it on their top shelf list of 2003. So a little controversial, I guess. <laughs> mm. I mean, we'll get into this later, but... I don't think that's true. I think a kid would w- read this. I found it engaging. Yeah. I read it as a kid, so. Yeah. Oh, you did? You read this in school? Because I didn't. Surprise. I did. I, it's okay. I never, yeah, no, I didn't read this one, but I have read a different book by Wendy Mask. Mm-hmm. Mask? No. Oh, my God. <gasps> Wendy Mask? No. Just Wendy Mask. <laughs> um, and it was Every Soul a Star, but... When I was looking up Wendy Mass herself, a fun little factoid, she wrote a script for the TV show Monk with Tony oh. Shalhoub, which oh, I was just Shalhoub. tickled. I was just tickled pink because, one, oh. I love the show Monk, but two, I love saying Tony Shalhoub even more, and I got to say it twice now on this podcast. With Wild Abandon. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just funny. Not that... Yeah, that's- his not I'm not trying to shame him for his name. I just it no. brings me delight and pleasure. Yeah. Well that's some facts about the book, but what is it actually about? Well, Ellie, would you like to read us the Goodreads blurb? Oh, yes. For a second there I thought you were changing it up and like, Ellie, would you like us like to read it the summer? And I was like, Oh my god, no. <laughs> no. They're not gonna know anything. Okay. Um, here we go. Mia Winchell appears to be a typical kid, but she's keeping a big secret. Sounds, numbers, and words have color for her. No one knows, and Mia wants to keep it that way. But when trouble at school finally forces Mia to reveal her secret, she must learn to accept herself and embrace her ability, called synesthesia, a mingling of the senses. Boom. The end. Do you think that's an accurate representation of what the book was, Laura? Would you add anything, take away anything? No, yeah. I think I could add on a little bit. So if someone were to ask me, what was this book about? Uh, I would say Mia is a 13-year-old with synesthesia and also a great cat named Mango, which is very important to the story. 
Uh, so synesthesia is a neurological condition where your senses and your perceptions get mixed up. So specifically, Mia sees different colors and shapes whenever she perceives sound or even thinks about sound. So her cat Mango got his name because he wheezes and his wheezes make a mango color. So she's never told anyone up to this point. But when she gets to eighth grade, she's getting it. She's finding it a lot harder to keep it from interfering with schools, specifically algebra, because all the letters have colors. But everything changes when she meets an eight-year-old in the grocery store who also has colors in his brain. Um, so Wait, he's eight years old? Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, when I was reading it, or you know, Wait. me listening to it. No, I, I'm sure you're right. But I sure. thought he was like five. I thought he was like a little baby child boy. Who he like, is a little baby. Yeah, but eight... I feel like is not as baby child as I feel like. Okay, I maybe he's not eight. I, I, I haven't no met an eight year old in a very long time, so I don't know. I actually have no. Okay, so I know have no idea how old this kid is. But so this meeting causes her to finally share this with her parents, and it takes her on this whole whole journey. So she gets her physical diagnosis by a neuroscientist, and um, she gets caught up in this whole whirlwind of self discovery. So she's googling stuff. She's emailing a boy online, but she begins to neglect her friendships and commitments in school. So she spends all her time doing this fun stuff, going to acupuncture under false pretenses. Um, oh my gosh! Basically, drugs. Yeah, yeah. She basically, basically did drugs, guys. Okay, yeah, as far as I'm it's concerned, kind of intense. Yeah. But it all And also again with this with way. the emailing the boy, she basically met a stranger online for for intimate purposes. Maybe it wasn't sexual, or maybe it was. We'll find out later when we Okay further discuss, <laughs> but wait. But they didn't meet each other one on one. They met at a giant group meeting for other uh, citizens. Okay, but they were one on one. Yeah, for ten minutes. For five minutes. I know. And that five oh, minutes. Oh, okay, but what happened wait, in those five wait, minutes? You're messing up my summary. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm just saying. Oh my Oh my gosh, wait, today it's Wikipedia's birthday, twentieth. Oh my god. I'm sorry, keep going. I don't know. All that stuff happens and then her world comes crashing down when poor Mango, the cat, finally succumbs to his condition and dies. Um, so she's feeling really guilty about this situation, but she ends up making up with her best friends and repairing her relationship with her family and, you know, her friends at school, including Roger. Uh, and she's finally able to help Billy, the kid that she met, uh, and help her par- his parents understand what exactly is going on. Okay, wait, who's Roger? Because I don't know if our readers, listeners well, know. Well, he is a classmate in school that, what would you say? I don't know. She just runs into him a lot. She and does she a group project with him. with him. Yeah, a group project. Oh, she was at the vet when he happened to go there for oh, yeah. his dog being put to sleep. And uh, he's colorblind. But uh, Oh, yeah. Well, that's revealed at the very end. That's a nice Right little... at the very end. Yeah. But she can kind of tell he has a crush on her because she was on the acupuncture. I thought you were like... going to say she can kind of <laughs> tell that he's colorblind. I'm like, oh, no. okay. <laughs> okay, no. So she goes to acupuncture and then she can like see pheromones. And I don't know if that's true or not. And then she, but she can see his like pheromones and like. Oh my god! What well, I don't even like, know, but she can tell he, that he likes her. She's basically undressing him with her eyes. No, my really, god. she's like a tendril of his pheromones reaches out to mine. Don't know what that means. And I'm like, I think we oh all my know gosh, what that like, means. A, like he Avatar. has a crush. Like Avatar and the and the Eternal Braids or whatever, you know. The what? The Eternal Braids that the Avatars have. The Avatar, the blue people, not like. Avatar oh. <laughs> James Cameron Avatar. <laughs> oh my god. Sigourney I Weaver like, Avatar. I know everything there is to know about Avatar The Last Airbender. This doesn't exist. And you're like, and for your, first of all, Aang is bald. There are no braids to be I know. <laughs> But I don't no, know I'm ta- anything about that movie. I'm talking about the blue people. I, ne- I never, well, I mean, I saw that movie, but I don't, I didn't see it. It doesn't matter if you saw it, saw it, but if you've seen it, that's basically what you described with this pheromone <laughs> business. Oh my gosh. And yeah. this is a book for kids. Also, I do want to say, did you know about the website? Um, okay, I don't even know. I think it's a website huh. called Does the Dog Die at the End? And it just tells you every movie, no. like if it has an animal, if it dies oh. or not. Because that's like, you like it's kind of like Chekhov's gun. Like if you're presented with an animal and the and the character cares about the animal, that, char- that animal's going to be dead by the end of the book. Yeah. No. Actually, fact. that's part of the Read Harder. So for Book Riot's Read Harder challenge this year, it's one of the challenges is to find a book where the pet doesn't die at the end. And it's like, well, then I have to look for spoilers, don't I? Or I just have to read every book with a pet in it. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I... You know? 
No. I mean, because of Winn-Dixie, I don't think Winn-Dixie dies. Oh, yeah. Oh, just read that. Just read that again. Yeah, just do that again. Problem Um, solved. Or maybe find one where, like, the dog, or any animal, I don't mean to be doggist or anything, the animal, the pet, kills the owner. You know? Mm. Because then yeah, for yeah, sure that... Reversal. Yeah, reverse the roles, people. Or like... Yeah. Anyways, I forgot that Rogers had a dog that died. Yeah. And that's, that's why like they first met in the first Page place. 10 of the book. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? You know what I was caught up? Okay, we're going right into unanswered right. questions. Great segue, yeah. me. What I was preoccupied with at the beginning of the book, not the first 10 pages, I thought this was like page one, was, so when you're introduced to Mia and her special abil- abilities, her gifts, I think she's eight years old. She's in kindergarten or something. No, actually, those <laughs> ages don't match up. But yeah. And so she's like, oh, I can't do this math problem because like, to me, this four, blah, blah, I don't know. But she Yeah, like the colors talks, don't match. Yeah. And she's talking about that. She. T- uh, somehow reveals that to the class and then the teacher is like go to the principal's office um and i think it's both a mix because the teacher is like oh you're like pulling my leg and yeah. like you're messing with me but also i feel like the teacher is smart enough to realize at a certain point mm-hmm. that like this kid is serious and your response is like you're in trouble now so yeah. i'm just wondering from your perspective mm-hmm. like how do educators react to you know quote-unquote different learners now like you probably wouldn't send a kid to the principal's office if they're like hey i'm dyslexic right or would you uh so you're you're kind of saying like if they displayed a behavior yeah that might that might be disruptive but you like can kind of tell that they're serious and that something is like going on with them you just like what do we well i guess it's not even like disruptive behavior because i didn't think what mia was doing was disruptive i thought it was just like hey, I'm having trouble. All right, it's mm-hmm. a joke. Maybe that's disruptive. But then she's like, oh, it's not a joke. Sure. Well, it then- dep- I mean, well, it depends. I can't speak, you know, obviously for all educators. Personally, I guess what I would do is like... Take Mia's case specifically. Yeah. She was writing them in colored chalk because she was like, this might be... She said this would be easier if the numbers are in the right colors and the teacher's oh, yeah. like, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, I guess, I mean, I would be like, sure, go ahead. But I would say like, but we need to like, as long as you keep working, like if you start drawing other things, then we have to go back to the other colors. And I think it's not even like, oh, she got sent to the principal's office because obviously like maybe you'll send someone to the principal's office just because you're like, all right, we need to have this conversation like in a more private area. But Mm -hmm. it sounded like to me when I was reading it that the teacher was like punishing her and sending her to the principal's office because she was bad. And then I was just like, that's not cool. And they, they made her, like, apologize to, like, for wasting everybody's time. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was gosh. like, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I have not worked with, like, little kids too much. So I don't really know what I would do. I do. I mean, I would not send them to the principal's office. I might be like, no, like, we need to try to, we need to, like, save those colors. Or, like, we need to do, we need you mm-hmm. to, like, stick with the other ones. Like, because, like, nobody else gets to use the other colors. So, like, you have to use that one, too. Um yeah. But I would, I don't know if I would, I mean, like, obviously now that like I've read this book and I know what it is, like I might connect the dots, but if I, if I was that teacher and I had no Mm -hmm. idea what synesthesia was, didn't know what's a possibility, I would understand, I understand her being like, no, this child is like just doing this to do this, you know, like not putting that thought behind it. Um, And it's not, so it's not a failing of the teacher, but I don't, yeah, I don't agree with her response. Yeah. All, but also when we're talking about responses to Mia's condition or you know mm-hmm. with me as synesthesia we have like the mom who's like oh yeah we're gonna fix you and it'll be okay and i'm so sorry we're, like we're gonna cure you like yeah and the conversation that that happens between the mom and the dad and it's like who did this to you like obviously it was your mom because she did drugs and you're like oh come mm-hmm. on guys or even like later That's on when they've diagnosed it and like mia is um you know in the middle of her self-discovery stuff like you mm-hmm. she overhears her parents saying like but her grades aren't better yet like She's like failing these things and all these things. And it's like, why are you equating her well-being with her grades? Like she's happier. Like she knows what's going on and she can talk about this with you guys. Yeah. Like also like, you know, that just kind of reinforces this like idea with mental health and with like uh, with like uh, the learning disabilities or like different conditions that like Mm -hmm. you uh, like are only okay if you get back to normal or back to the baseline of like what is normal and like the standard for everybody. And that's just like ridiculous because it's not flexible it's not practical and you know i'm anxious and that's 
kind of going to always be true. And so like my baseline for normal just kind of won't always be what everybody else's is. And I'm forgiving myself and I'm loving myself. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, if other people view their mental health differently, like that's okay. That's just how I've personally see it. Um, I have a question. Mm -hmm. So she's, you know, emailing this other boy, Adam, a lot because they find each other on this synesthesia website. And the mom is like, well, the doctor wouldn't have given you the website if he thought it was unsafe. It's like, no, well, you should have a little bit more supervision than that. (laughs) But anyway, so she's emailing this other kid and they're talking about the synesthesia. But my question is, why are his emails in all capital letters? (laughs) Because that's, I think it's a formatting choice, but it just seems like he's screaming at you. Hmm. See, that's, I never got that in the listening version. Oh, yeah. It was all nowhercase. Hey, get it? <laughs> well, did they shout in the podcast? I mean, the, the audiobook? No, it was used like pretty, like a kid voice. It was like, hey, my name's, uh, what is his name? Adam. Andy. Adam. (laughs) My name's Adam. One of the things I was wondering also at the beginning of the book was when they were introducing the family, at first I thought that all of the family was also had like quote unquote quirks or like, uh, I wasn't sure if like all the family had neurological conditions or something only because like you get introduced to the dad and they're just like, yeah, the dad's really quirky and he has a helicopter and he likes to (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay. And then... They're like, yeah, and the brother Zach is super superstitious. And then the sister's like, Beth. changes her hair every day of the week or something. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, is that me? And then like, I read a little more. And I was like, okay, no, they're just they just have personalities. <laughs> yeah, they just have a whole personality. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah, I thought that the characterizations were really interesting because like Beth, what the older sister? I mean, she's like a typical older sister, but she also like in, in this the course of the story, she gets into yoga and like. Paganism, basically. Yeah, paganism. What else? Veganism. She's a she's a into a vegetarian or veganism. Oh yeah, because she's just like we can't kill the turkey. We have to kill. Yeah, we can't have a turkey this year. We have (laughs) tofurkey. But you know what I heard? I heard Mm. on the reels in real life, my real life, this Thanksgiving season, a lot of people were doing Thanksgiving chicken instead of turkey because honestly, is turkey that good? And like for all the hassle you have to get, I mean it's good, but (laughs) I don't know. Like when. When I grow up sure. and I have to celebrate, well, I don't have to. First of all, I don't have to th- celebrate Thanksgiving or observe it at all. But, like, if I'm ever having that kind of meal, I don't think I'm going to go through all that work just to make a freaking turkey. Yeah, like, and that's only really helpful if you have 20 people in your house. Yeah, and then you just have, like, freaking turkey sandwiches for the next month. Yeah. So mm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all... a big fan of ham, you know. Oh, I love ham. Ham's so yes. good. Ugh. I would love leftover ham. We made a uh, turkey bone broth with our leftover turkey this year. Actually, that sounds pretty good. I did. Yeah. That's a great soup. And last time we were talking about soup, now we're talking about meats. Mm. Mm. Uh, I had another question about this family, though. Okay, so her Mia's mom, she makes all of these like last minute mandatory family plans. <laughs> and I'm like, what is up with that? Like Mia gets home and there's like a note on the fridge saying like, we got to go to the elementary school to volunteer tonight. Like no exceptions. Everybody's going. And I'm like... What, what if they wanted to do something else? Like, I don't know. Maybe me and my sister are spoiled, but like, that would not fly with us. Well, I think it's interesting maybe. just because like, this is just something I've observed as my sister Sophia grows up. Because, yeah. you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't aware of it and like all these dynamics and everything. But like in the early stages of life, you are in charge of your child's schedule and you control everything. And yeah. then to at a certain point, the child controls things. So, you know, Beth is able to say, like, actually, questions asked. I have a project and I can't do it. So she gets to get out of it. But, like, Mia at age 13, I guess, isn't at that point yet where, like, we're transitioning between, like, I have my own plans and I have a schedule. And, in fact, you need to coordinate with me to make sure it doesn't mess up my plans. I don't know. Um, thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. They mentioned Lord of, Lord of the Flies. So it really comes full Ooh, circle. yeah. Mm. From season one. Yeah, we were talking about it. So technically, Lord of the Flies was our second book and not our first. Otherwise, that would have been too perfect. But from what I gathered, because they mentioned Mia has to read Lord of the Flies for school. And her takeaway was, wow, my friends are a lot nicer than these savage boys <laughs> on this island who are yeah. freaking killing each other. So yeah. that, I think that's a great takeaway, Mia. Great job. 
Yeah, good one. Okay, well, also an- also call back to one of our other episodes. Um, here's my un- un- unanswered question. What is a best friend? Because mm. honestly, I don't think mm. I don't think these middle schoolers know what it is because they be treating each other like hot trash. No. Okay, so let's like back it up. Okay, for the listeners. So Mia has her best friend Jenna, and they both live, I guess, in rural houses. They are they run around the countryside together all the time. Okay, so when Mia starts to realize that she, like her synesthesia is a real thing, she um, tells Jenna first. Like she's the first friend she tells, and. Jenna starts crying and says, like, I can't believe you kept this from me. Like, you're not a real best friend um, if you kept this from me. And, like, how could you? And so she gets really angry at her. Um, And then Mia goes away and other plot stuff happens. But when they see each other next, Mia's like, well, sorry for keeping it from you. And Jenna was like, okay. But Mia's like, but I also think you should apologize. And Jenna's like, for what? (laughs) And then Jenna reveals that she's told, well, just one person. But essentially, she's let the whole school know. That Mia has had synesthesia before Mia was ready. Well, no, here's the thing, though. Right? So, yeah, Mia's like, oh, I think you should also apologize. And Jenna's like, hmm, why? And then Mia is a vulnerable human being and says, I was really struggling and I needed you. Yeah. And I know that you were hurt, but, like, I need you to be there for me and you weren't. And then Jenna says, well, what kind of apology is this? And I'm like, Jenna, you dummy. Oh, my God. Don't you understand? Yeah. Like, don't you understand you're a mean little girl who, like, doesn't no. deserve friends? What? And, like, this is, okay, this is kind of going into takeaways and judgments. But this is, I mean, it's a thing about this age is that you think everything is about yeah. you. And, like, listen, I say that, like, with compassion. It's okay to think that, like, at this age, but also in general. I mean, well, well that's just the mind. Leo and you talking. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, well, listen, I can talk about that later. But, like, <laughs> when you're that age, you think everything that goes right is about you. Everything that goes wrong is about you. Like, I think that's just pretty common. I mean, yeah, no, I, I think... say every kid is like that. I just think it's it's super common when you're preteen, teen. You know? I, I, and I would have to agree. But all mm-hmm. I'm saying is the reason I called it a callback is because, you know, like, episode 11, when we were reading The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, uh, Arnold and... Whatever that person's name is, I forget the f- mm. Billy or Rowdy, Rowdy, yes. <laughs> Why I'm here, <laughs> Rowdy are also best friends, but they like sometimes treat each other pretty shit. But like mm-hmm. between Jenna and Mia, Jenna has this party, and Mia's like, "Oh, okay, I'll go." But of course, the night of the party, Mango dies, and she's so yes. distraught, and she's like, you know. I'm obviously not going. I don't have a problem with that. You know, me as the reader. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, don't go. And then Jenna calls and is like, hey, what the hell, dude? Why aren't you at my party? Also, I understand that. She doesn't have any contact. She doesn't know what's going on. Like, so no. she's a little self-absorbed about her party. Sure. But also, then... at this point, at this point, Mia's supposed to be at a synesthesia person meeting. Yeah. So that's where Jenna thinks she is. Yeah. And so then Jenna's like, oh, you're not coming because you're hanging out with your other specialer friends and, like, blah, 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 and gets really angry. But then Mia doesn't say anything. And not that Mia owes Jenna, like, every explanation. She doesn't have to reveal that information. But I am kind of like, well, you had the opportunity to, like, communicate clearly what was going on, and then you chose not to. So that, like, Mm -hmm. so both of these girls are at fault at different times. But I am just like, yeah, I know, crusty kids. Yeah, I think, and I th- like I said, I think it's an age thing. Like, that is, I think it's... It was realistic. It yes, and okay, maybe that's it. I mean, so Jenna has stuff going on, too, like, because her mom died, and her father started dating this other woman, which is a part of my unanswered question. Um, and, and then, like, so then this thing with her best friend comes up, and she doesn't feel like... She doesn't feel like her best friend is telling her things, is, like, cutting her out of her life. And her best friend is on this, like, cool new adventure to learn mm, all these things yeah. about herself where Jenna can't go. So I can see, how, you know, like, her insecurity is very believable and, like, very valid, I still think. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, just because friends fight, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong. I mean, of course, like, you know, like we just said, they are both in the wrong in different ways. But, like, friends fight is what I'm trying to say. yeah. You know? I guess. I'm done judging these 13-year-olds on right. how... <laughs> these fictional 13-year-olds. Yeah, these fictional uh, 13-year-olds on how good of human beings they are to each other. So we're done with right. that. When we were discussing this earlier, I was like, this is actually why I'm not friends with middle schoolers, so actually this is fine. Yeah, that's the reason The why. fact that we don't swim in the same circles <laughs> and probably are not experiencing the same life experiences, but also because... 
13 year olds and middle school kids are crusty. Um, I had a question. So, yeah, Jenna's dad is dating this woman called Rebecca. And, and like, <laughs> the situations they describe where they meet Rebecca, like, it's very normal things. Like, Rebecca's like, hi, how are you? Or she's like, oh, Jenna, I can braid your hair for the party. And Jenna's like, oh, this woman's the worst. Like, why does she understand that, like, we don't like her and all these things? <laughs> and then at the end, like, they're talking about her and Mia's like, where's Rebecca? Did she do your hair? And Jenna's like, oh, she's not around anymore. My dad dumped her. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the story of Rebecca. And I'm like, what happened? Like, Yeah, also, but, like, makes you think because when, let's say you are a widower or a divorcee or something like that. Yeah. You have and you have kids, then you do have to think like one, I want to be happy. Two, want yeah. my kids to be happy. And if you're a 13-year-old, sometimes you don't understand that like your widowed parent or divorced parent like still wants to feel joy in their life and they like so for the kid they're just like oh my gosh you're moving on and you're like trying to block other parent out of their family Mm -hmm. and this is like really monstrous of you but on the other hand they're just like oh i need to accept that like this isn't necessarily like an affront to me or the family it's like oh my parent is trying to find their like find their way and like yeah and recover from that so that sucks not that i know rebecca yeah, like, we don't know like, anything We about weren't her. ever really given a nice, clear image of her. But we weren't... She didn't call her a crusty kid like I am calling no. her. No. Yeah. So... Right. Call back to Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> what about Sweet Life of Zack? No, do you remember this? This is an episode where, like, London is, like, one of her dad's, like, new girlfriends or wives or whatever is there and trying to hang out with her. And London's like, this is awful. And Mr. Mosby's like, well, listen, like, she's trying, like... You know, and all of his other girlfriends and wives, none of them looked your way, but she's tried to reach out to you. So maybe think on Cut that for a second, London. Freaking slack, bro. Not yeah. that you have to, not that she's not full of flaws and everything, but you know, give her a chance. I also want to point out, we're saying this because we're like, as readers, we're looking through the, the implied author is like, is Mia, the 13 year old. And so we're given her limited perspective on the matter, but yes. even her limited perspective doesn't seem that evil. You know, no. <laughs> and so like that's what we're saying. We're like, oh yeah, like uh, even Mia says it. Well, like Jenna's like, you'll never get what Rebecca did today. And Mia says, what did she say something nice to you? And she's like, yes. Could you believe it? <laughs> like totally blows past it. Well, my last question is when Mia goes to this synesthesia's meetup thing. Yeah, she's like with a bunch of other people. Apparently, they're all adults, and her and Adam are the only kids. Yeah, whatever. Um, they're all talking about how synesthesia has like impacted their lives. And one of the things is they all talk about numbers and how they all have personalities and or colors or something Mm -hmm. like two is shy, but eight is a real piece of shit or something like that. (laughs) All these kids have like, all these adults have different opinions. So my question is with Enneagrams, you have these type, these number types. So are there any numbers that specifically have a personality for you? Well, I think that, so four, I mean, is like the number of death in like the Chinese language. So kind of stay away from that. Wait, so Um, you think four is just like dark emo boy, like an edgelord? Yeah. Like, stay away. Um, mm. Three is a really strong number, I gotta say. But that's the mathematician. In that's me. a good perspective. Of course, and then seven is really bad. You know why? I mean, I feel like I do, but why, Laura? Because seven, eight, nine. It's a cannibal. Come on. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Like, someone had to. Well, here's what I think. I think that... Uh, six and nine are lovers. You know, you you know why, Laura? <laughs> <laughs> Booyah! Cause sixty-nine. Uh, Woo! Oh boy. Oh boy. So take that uh, joke. For, for real though. Yes. Uh, I always like six, but it's also the devil's number, so that's, no, that's a little conflicting. True. You know, I just like the multiples of three better than any others. <laughs> but overall, my favorite number is is sixty-four. Nice. That is a good one, too. I like that. Because it's eight squared. It's yeah. four to the third. It's two to the sixth or whatever. Huh. Weird. Okay. Um ha, quirky. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I do have a quick unanswered question. I just thought of it. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. So, like, Samia so starts to figure out that, like, with algebra, she can, like, cheat yeah. by, 
uh, she can like memorize formulas by writing the colors down on her leg because like you know that's how she uses it to memorize like dates and stuff. So do you? Uh -huh. What do you think of that? You think that's cheating? <laughs> um, I think it is cheating. And here's why I think it's cheating. It's like very stip, very stipulative. But mm -hmm. because she had to write it down on her legs, that's okay. why I think it's cheating. If she was able to just be like, okay, when I think of the color blue, I'll just think of this formula or something yeah. like she does with history dates and stuff, then I would have been like, oh, no, that's just working smarter, not harder or whatever. But okay. also kind of not because like if you're still learning this stuff and you're just choosing to associate it with something else, mm -hmm. then, I, then I don't, that's like not cheating. That's a mnemonic device. Right. I think... Yeah, I okay, I would agree. I think that, yeah, it's not, like, unfair for her to have the colors associated, but I do think, yeah, you can't write it on your leg. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, because, like, listen, if you can't just have it out in front of you with the teacher looking at you, yeah. then, like, I don't watch. You still have to memorize the colors. Um, yeah. Which begs the question, like, I mean, if she did that for history, why didn't she just do that for, like, why don't she yeah. just use, remembers the colors from the get-go? But anyway. Um, have you ever cheated on a test? I have. Not on the test, no. Oh. Uh, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, maybe in first grade on like a spelling test. Okay, that counts though, because I cheated okay, in sure. second grade on a spelling test. Okay, and a spelling later, test. <laughs> and then um, later in middle but school not, like, after on a math that. test. <laughs> oh, neither. Oh, okay. I didn't know I didn't either. You're getting up into post post primary. What but you know what? It was fine. I cheated on a math test. And I'm no math major, so I'm allowed to do that shit. Like no one cares. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if I'm doing surgery on someone and I cheat, like no one cares because I'm not actually a doctor. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you follow my I'm logic. Sure that's exactly. Yeah. No one Great. would care. Great. Let's go straight into intended takeaways and judgments because I have one right. On the tip of my oh, tongue. And you assume I don't. Well, let's hear it. Well, I'm going first. Okay, here's my is. I think this book, I think the intention of it and also what it did very well was introduce its readers, which I think would be like 13-year-olds or like, you know, people in um, middle school, introducing yeah. them to mental health and what that mm. looks like whether it be like neurological conditions like synesthesia or like depression or anxiety or anything like that it mm -hmm. like at least opened up the gate of talking about mental health and then it also showed at least like for mia that there's like other people like you and you're not alone and there's community mm -hmm. in that so that was one of the, the major ones i do like that yeah i like the idea of because they could see i mean it from mia's perspective um, having this part of her that's really different and not being able to talk about it for so long. But then also, mm -hmm. I think it is valuable to see Jenna's perspective. You know, there's value in seeing um, how she reacted and, like, you know, understanding why she felt, like, insecure and felt the way she did, but also understanding, like, that's not a great way to treat your friend when they tell you something really important. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's, so so there's it's lessons to be learned. to, like, have that part of the narrative. Yeah, so there's lessons to be learned from my understanding both perspectives of that, of that fight. Um... I liked that, kind of going off of that, that there's this message that you, like, it's good to have a community of people who are like you, but it's also still good to have a community of people not like you. Like, those are both valuable, but they also don't cancel each other out. Because I think, mm -hmm. I think it was Adam who was like, oh, other people don't understand us and they're not as cool. Um, and then Jenna, like, she was kind of more like, well, you have friends that are more special than me, so you probably think that I'm not cool. Yeah. Um, Mia learns to like throughout the course that like those two things don't have to cancel each other out and that she can balance them. Yeah. Another thing was, I think this is also like a typical coming of age story. It, it is like you see a transformation and or like, yeah, you see a transformation within the character, not only as a human being, but also in her attitude towards synesthesia, because in the beginning, She's like, oh, yes, I want to be cured. I will go see these doctors, and I want to be rid of this. And then, spoiler alert, at the end, she sort of does lose her synesthesia. And then she comes to learn that, like, it's a big part of herself, and she's come to accept it. And then she's like, oh, I love this part about myself. Yeah. But it's not only is she like, oh, I love this part of myself, and I want, like, I'm special in this way. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't become, like, totally attached to this special part of her like i think who was it 
She's talking to someone at the end and they just do a good job of saying like, hey, just because you don't have this thing doesn't mean like that's not who you are. Synesthesia is my whole personality. Like she comes to accept like every part of herself. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I did read this. I didn't read it for school, but it was like recommended by a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I guess I read it in the school setting in middle school. Um, So when I was a kid and I was reading it, so two things like stood out to me as like the whole thing with Adam as a kid was like exciting because they like start emailing each other and then they meet and they like kiss right away. Um, But now I can be like, no, that was kind of creepy. Also, he was like, oh, we should have swiped a bottle of wine and had it like on this porch. And it's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like, what? (laughs) Adam, stop corrupting Mia. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? So yeah, that's not good. Um, the other thing I noticed that when Mango dies, Mia kind of is on this spiral. She's feeling tons of self-guilt. Like, she's not eating. Um, she d- So she doesn't tell Jenna about it because she's kind of, like, punishing herself. Um, and she's like, I killed Mango because I forgot to give him his medication. Well, we also forgot to say that, like, Mia believed that her grandfather lived in Mango. Yes. Right? Like... Mm-hmm. Because Mango showed up right after her grandpa died. So I don't think, I think it's, she did not really deal with her grief for her grandpa until Mango died mm. as well. Because she always kind of believed he was yeah. with her. And as a, I guess as a kid, I didn't think it was super out of place. Uh, but as an adult, I'm like, oh no, that's very, con- very concerning. Because it, it was like very dark. And I was, I always have to say, I was bawling through this section. <laughs> I was crying. Aww. So those like two things, yeah. I, my perspective now has changed on like those things i don't want to say her reaction was melodramatic or anything like it just was as an adult i can tell oh no those, those behaviors are really concerning um, yeah okay well she's been traumatized that, yeah that leads me to me like i think this is a total judgment as it as sure. in i don't think it was intended that i like go away with this horrible feeling of what you said spiraling and it's like i don't know why but for me as a as a larger person than a 13 year old like <laughs> watching Mia make all these choices and like to me I was like oh my gosh this book is like way darker but maybe it's just because I'm like a cynical pessimistic old person who is we- weary of everything and also maybe it's because mm-hmm. like in this day and age we know that the internet is full of dangerous people so mm-hmm. I don't know like may- like she's over there using AOL but over here we're like hey, go on Omegle and see a bunch of pictures of penises and, like, meet up with strangers. And Mm -hmm. you're like, that's dangerous. Duh. So, for Mm -hmm. me, I was just, like... I was just, like, worried for me the entire time because I was like, you're going... You're sneaking out behind your parents' back to do acupuncture and then you're seeing things because of the acupuncture and then you're realizing because she realizes later she's like i can't even focus i can't concentrate like this is affecting my life in negative ways in addition to the po- positive ones i get which is basically mm-hmm. getting high or the yeah, way I was... like i don't mean to get too yeah. like like strict parent on on mia but like that just like freaked me out and then no she also yeah. meets up with this boy and then the boy kisses her and she's just like and i'm like Oh my gosh. And this is why I won't be a parent because listen, <laughs> like as even, cause you're always like, Oh, come on, mom and dad. Don't you remember when you were my age and can't you see you're being unreasonable? But like, I think I can remember a time when I was also 13 and one of all those things. But now that I'm adult, I'm like, yeah, well 13 and me, year old me didn't know shit and like was going to get murdered if I let them do whatever they wanted. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why I'll never have kids. And that's why this book was kind of stressful for me. Oh, sorry about that. How dare you? Um, I'm blaming you. I'm suing the podcast and myself. I'm suing the podcast as an entity. Yeah, I think this pushes her in some pretty dark places. Um, It was kind of surprising. And yeah, in ways that I didn't realize as a kid. I think some takeaways we get from from this book, because everybody asks her, like, oh, is that your boyfriend? Oh, is Roger your boyfriend? Quit asking kids about their boyfriends and girlfriends. They don't need to know about that. But if you do, don't be heteronormative. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? Um, Another one, be there for your friends. It's not about you. Listen, okay, my point earlier was that I think it's natural for people to be self-centered. Because you're you're the only one who's around all the time in your life. You got to get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes gonna be bad, yeah. But I just think it's our natural state. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I just also I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like when people, some people are like, "Oh, I don't think of myself as the main character of my story." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, you freaking edge lord!" Like, yeah. yes, you do. Like, it is. 
I do not think, no offense to these people, I don't think it's possible for you to be like, I'm a supporting character. I'm like, you're with yourself the entire time. Yeah. So, like, even when you're brushing your teeth, I know it's not the most exciting thing. You might not be the most exciting main character, but you have to be the main character of your own fucking life. Yeah. So, like, that always annoys me to no end. I cannot... Fa- also, uh, being a Leo, I cannot fathom a, t- a life a Leo, where I'm not my own main character. <laughs> yeah. I don't... I am sure I'm being, like, really unfair and being super judgmental when I say this, but I just am... I'm, like... It's coming from a closed-minded place, but I don't understand mm-hmm. how people can't say, I don't, how people are like, I'm not the, I don't see myself as the main character of my own life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I also think it's because of the people I hear that from. I'm always just like, oh, I bet you yeah. get, I bet you get off on that, you little. <laughs> sure. You know, obviously it's balanced and everything, but it's okay if you yeah. are self-centered sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and you sometimes can't help it. You have to take you care of yourself. To, yeah, you gotta balance it. Else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm done with my, all my judgments and all my takeaways. All right, let's go to ratings. I give this one a 9 out of 10. I give this one... I said 6 out of 10. I'm changing it right now to 7 Ooh. out of 10. Okay. So, Because it was pretty good. And even though it was darker than I was expecting, I still enjoyed it, even though I was freaked out the entire time. I think it was pretty quality storytelling, like... Um, like I said, there are like a lot of good lessons and it's also just, you know, helpful to learn about synesthesia. Yeah. Um, Normalize this. Yeah. Like, and that's why I said it it was, it did a good job about talking about differences in mental health or neurological conditions. Yes. It showed how there can be this stigma around it, but then it like kind of debunked all those myths. Okay. Um, let's move on to book related things okay all right all right um recommendations do you have one ready to go oh yeah okay i recommend based on this book uh i recommend the wild girls by pat murphy and i have not read this since i was like 12 so i don't remember like details i just know it's about two girls being friends um they go to like a writer's workshop and they write things that are not like, I don't know, conventional. Um, but I thought yeah. it was good as a kid. Yeah. So. Um. Well, my recommendation is also one that I, I listened to it, and I don't quite remember exactly. Ooh, we're doing but, great. <laughs> yeah, but my excuse is that that's just me, and y'all know who I am. So I listened to this one. I think in like 2018 when I was in thailand it is called running with scissors by augustus burroughs but i'm probably mispronouncing that name but it's about this kid who goes to live with their mother's psychiatrist and his family and the house is just like full of chaos and trauma it seems like Mm. and all the family members have like different mental disabilities or different mental illnesses so mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that this one is like, I guess, I don't think this is what the 13-year-old kid should read. Oh, sure. But it it was a really interesting memoir, um, and it does talk about mental illness in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's also like based off of a true story, which I think is also just super mind-blowing when you read it. So. Okay. But enough of that. What are you currently reading? Let's see. Currently, I'm reading... What are we both reading right now, Laura? We're both reading The Office of Historical Corrections by Danielle Evans. Because we're in a book club together. I'm also currently reading Inland by Taya Obrecht. Okay, and like since last time, I've started a lot and then like not continued. Because honestly, once I finished my, my, finished my Read Harder Challenge for the year, I met my reading goal for the year. I was like, I don't, I can take a break. I don't need to. <laughs> I, I don't have to read ever again. Right. Like, I don't need to read right now. Um, so I've only finished three books, one of which was a reread. So I reread Anxious People by Frederick Bachman for our book club. Uh, I also read, for the first time, another book by Frederick Bachman called In Every Morning the Way Home Gets Longer and Longer. That was a novella. And I also read The Popper Prince and the Eucalyptus Gin by Usman T. Malik uh, on Tor.com. Another, another novella. So... 
That's where I'm at. Nice. Well, I'm also reading that one that you just talked about. I'm reading White Fragility, which is the book that you lent me. Ooh. So I started reading yeah. that. And I'm reading um, Sister Outsider by Audrey Lord. But since last time, I am excited to say that I finally finished Loving Day by Matt Johnson. Didn't Woo! finish it. I know, right? Didn't finish it before the end of 2020. But that doesn't matter because it's over now. And I read it and the ending really surprised me. So if anyone ever Ooh. wants to read it, don't get too comfortable because the ending will just really attack you in a good way. Um, I also listened to Dad is Fat by Jim Gaffigan, which is a celebrity mm-hmm. memoir, and A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost. And then I read, I listened to The Unbearable Lightness of Being by, I know I'm going to butcher this, Milan Kundera, Okay, I think, and Gingerbread by Helen Oyayemi. Um, and then, uh, no, I'm done now. So that was it. Well, then I think that that brings us to a an end. Yeah. So as we shut her down, um, Laura, tell the people how they can connect with us. Okay, we have a lot of ways you can connect with us. We have an email. It's reading, not reading, at gmail.com. Spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T. R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at Red Not Read Pod. We also have a website, which you can find in our episode notes. I'm not going to spell that one. And we also have a bookshop, which you can also find in our episode notes. If you buy books through bookshop.org with our affiliate link, we will get commissions that will support the podcast. But bookshop is also just a really cool website where you can, uh, they're not paying me. I don't have to give them an ad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, bookshop. I, I don't need to give them no, the just advertisement. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hold on. I'm not giving them a single <laughs> more paid. I don't need to of this lip service. Yeah. Yeah. Check out our links. Yeah, do it. Um, Perfect. I also want to say, I think after a whole year, a whole season of spelling out our name, my mom has finally caught on and she stops calling it Reading Rainbow. She actually oh, does finally. call it Reading Rainbow. Finally. Oh, thank you. So goodness. it's working, you know, with repetition. Mm. You know, yeah. they, you know what they say. Uh, if you're insane, you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Yeah. So that's yep. us. We're insane. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, until next month, uh, we will be reading Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, yeah. and we have a special little surprise. So to find out. We won't tell you. You, ha- you got to stick with us for yeah. episode two, season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>